creepy fiends and things that slither underneath. Welcome to Fatal Follower Presents, a horror variety show celebrating horror and all things horror adjacent. Now, before we get comfy in the new year of 2022, this episode is going to dive into some of our faves of 2021. Joining me here in the dilapidated, burnt-down orphanage where we grew up, Travis, a.k.a. Captain Creature. Welcome back to the show and to 2022. Oh, yes. Here again. So up first, this episode will be be debuting uh, the week that Scream 4 is dropping. Now, Trav, how excited are you and are you already in line for your concessions? Scream 5, you mean? or, or I said Scream 4, didn't I? <laughs> the fantastic Scream 4 already came out. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, yeah, so Scream 5 is coming out this week. Are you excited? Oh, yeah. Oh, hell yeah, man. It, wait, that's coming out this week? Yes. I didn't even... <laughs> dude, I didn't even know that. Holy shit. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, I'm going to be there like Thursday night or whatever. I don't think they do the uh, midnight showings anymore. But yeah, that's going to be a, like as soon as I can get a ticket kind of show. Yeah, so I can't wait to go check this out. I have been avoiding the numerous trailers that have been popping up all over social media. It's kind of like the scenes in the matrix with Neo where you're like swooshing by the bullets. Like Mm -hmm. I am trying anything in my power to just keep scrolling and stay away because I know that someone is going to spoil that shit. So I am super excited to go in only having watched the trailer like a couple times, the first very first trailer, which doesn't show that much. You know what's weird, um, as we're talking about this year, like before we even start talking about this year, it's like like the fact that Scream kind of snuck up on me, it's kind of like a, uh, that's kind of like how this whole year has been. Like it just seems like it was Halloween, like yesterday. Yeah. I don't know if that's with the COVID shit or like all this, like, um, like stuff. I, I know like I work retail, so it's like it's been frantic since the end of November or the middle of November. But it's just it seems like this year has just like it seems like a lost year or something. I don't know. Not to get like too philosophy, <laughs> philosophy on here, philosophical. But uh, yeah. yeah, 2020 and 2021 have been weird fucking years, man. Yeah, it's been crazy. The time has been very fluid in that I'll look at the calendar and it's one month, and the next day, it's like winter. You know what I mean? Like, it's just crazy. But to start off the new year, um, you know, January 2022, we're immersed in it already, and the very first horror movie to come out, Scream 5, uh, this weekend, which is going to be January 14th. Actually, I think it'll be out January 13th. Uh, I'm super excited, and I'm excited for uh, us to connect back and see what our thoughts were on that. Um now, I know this was this is news that's a little dated, but we haven't really got to connect about it. It is Mutilator 2. Uh, oh, hell yeah. Mad Monster, which is a cool site, they just dropped um, the exclusive write-up about 
the follow-up to the 1980s uh, crazy, wacky slasher movie, um, The Mutilator. And uh, it's going to star Terry Kaiser from Friday the 13th, uh, Weekend at Bernie's, uh, Damien Maffi. Maffi, I can't say his name, I'm sorry. Uh, he mm-hmm. is uh, from The Strangers Pray at Night and Haunt. Um, so they're going to be, uh, there's also going to be some Mutilator alumni returning uh, for the sequel, which is going to start filming in this year, 2022. Um, I'm super excited. I know, I think you got that physical release from Arrow. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a really fun movie. I remember uh, showing this to you and we just it was just a fun night. It's one of those movies <laughs> that is very much uh, like a pieces kind of movie or yeah. like a movie you show to like a group of people. Okay. So it's been a while since I've seen that one, but isn't that the one, isn't it kind of like a um, uh, final exam where it's just like somebody's dad. That's the killer. Yeah. So I think they go to stay uh, the, the actual, the working title, the other, the AKA, title is fall break but essentially they're on fall break and the students are going to one of the their friends dad's cabins or like what like basically a cabin nestled away and uh one of the famous scenes is when they get there they see a picture of his dad and he's got he's like posing by a murder victim or I don't really know like what I, I don't remember, but I just remember that being like one of the funniest parts of it. And the deaths are super gory. The ending is batshit crazy. Uh, and obviously the the actual poster for this movie is one of the most famous posters. If anyone remembers anything about slasher movies from the 80s, this poster is always one that's at the forefront. Um, with but the how will they top Fall Break the song? in the movie. I don't know how I know. they're going to top that. I, they just need to reuse it again. Yeah. It just needs to be the same song. <laughs> the scene that always cracked me up in that movie is when um, they're, I think they're start, they're getting into the car to go to the guy's dad, the lake, sh- the uh, ocean side house or whatever. And um, they like get in the, like the Corvette or whatever car they're driving and uh, the tops down and stuff. And they all just like crack beers open and just like start driving. <laughs> yeah. And that fall break songs on. I'm like, this movie's so killer. Yeah. It's really cheesy and uh, it's just a fun movie. Uh, so I'm really excited to see what Mutilator 2 will bring. I've heard that it's going to be set in contemporary times, which I wish they would just stuck with the eighties, you know, pick up right back. But it sounds like because the alumni is returning from the first movie that they would have to put it, you know, years later. Um, so I'm excited for that. What's your, uh, not like, cause we, I don't think we've talked since we got the Texas Chainsaw Massacre trailer either. What's your opinion on like the current boom of like going back to like franchises kind of thing? I know Mutilator isn't on like the same level, but like, for instance, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre thing, it's like, let's age everybody up and go back to it. Kind of like what Halloween, like, like the new Halloween started, but like, <laughs> Are you getting tired of those or is that like uh, refreshing to you? I actually don't mind it because I, I am pretty invested in franchises, like horror franchises. So I, mm-hmm. the fact that they're able to bring people back, I mean, the fact that alumni, like two people from the Mutilator are being brought back to the Mutilator 2, that just shows like how popular this type of idea is with franchises and picking that up. And, you know, we've seen that with Halloween kills. We've seen that with Candyman. We've seen that with child, with Chucky, the, the, the TV series. 
I'm, I've been a fan of it so far. I think at a certain point there needs to be either an original story added to the, the canon or they could also just diverge and do something completely different, which I'm thinking that's obviously what they're going to probably do with Halloween. But I don't know, like, I don't mind so far. I kind of like it. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see Sally. I mean, I know the actress isn't coming back, Marilyn Burns, obviously, but to have the character Sally coming back to the Texas Chainsaw franchise, that should be interesting. Um, I, I didn't really get anything from the trailer or the teaser, but I'll end up watching it. I mean, it's on Netflix, so, you know, why not kind of mm-hmm. thing. Oh, yeah. But I, I, I'm okay with it for now. I, I got really burnt out on the reboot, so I'm glad that they're kind of going back to the canon of some of these franchises. Yeah, it's like they're you? it's like they're going uh, like with Scream. We mentioned Scream, the new Scream coming out, uh, Candyman, Halloween, um, the Child's Play TV show. It's like going back. I would rather they do this what they're doing than give us like the straight up reboot. Um, but yeah, I kind of like the movement. I, I think it will get stale eventually. Um, I don't want them to do it with everything um, necessarily, but. Yeah, yeah, I would like to see them uh, make that uh, fabled Madman Two uh, movie as well. You know, <laughs> on when I get on Facebook and check out the Madman site, I always try to see if there's an update because I know that it was announced at some point, and I'm just hoping that maybe with a little bit more of this resurgence, seeing Mutilator mm-hmm. Two out of all of the movies. Uh, that even you and I had on the episode of movies that didn't get a number two, which you can oh, yeah. check out that episode, which is awesome that we recently did. But it's just cool to see that. Like, I there's so many out there that never got picked up, and because I think newer generations are are all into these horror movies from the 80s and 90s specifically, I think that you you might see that more often as picking up those pieces from that time and just doing the Halloween kills for some of these movies. I'd be, I'd be totally into it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So speaking of franchises that uh, we never got a sequel, well, movies that we never got a sequel to, uh, Vinegar Syndrome just announced uh, that they have in their, um, their January announcement, Dead Heat 4K from Vinegar Syndrome, the buddy action zombie movie that you can watch for free now on Tubi and can also pre-order uh, at, on Vinegar. Um, are you a fan of Dead Heat? Uh, I think I saw it uh, uh, like a long time ago. I think it, it must have been playing on like HBO or something. But uh, that's one that I'm not too, too familiar with. I know I've seen it one time, but I don't think I've ever revisited it. But I'll probably get it from Vinegar Syndrome. <laughs> yeah, it's hard not to to order from them. They, they put out some really cool gems. And uh, they are uh, releasing some of their out of... They did find some out of print things from their recent sale. And so the recent January 1st sale uh, that we all dived into which i won't talk about on this episode but um you can definitely uh check out what they have to offer for january and before long they're going to be having their end of january to february announcements and sales so they they constantly keep me coming back as a customer interested in what they're going to release and i may not pick up everything but there's usually one, at least one thing that i find from them that i'm like oh wow i can't believe you're actually releasing that yeah same so, yeah I'm, I'm exactly I'm, the same I'm always into what they have to offer. 
Now, I know that we haven't really touched base like through podcasts for this, but uh, since it is going to be this year that this is going to be coming out, uh, the Doctor Strange preview after the Spider-Man credits and also now the trailer that's out. Uh, what did you think of that? I know we're, we're getting Sam Raimi back into the Marvel uh, universe again, uh, his first MCU debut. And oh, yes. uh, Marvel's selling it as a horror movie. And I don't know about you, but I've heard that uh, in the past with New Mutants and I was not convinced. So I'm, <laughs> I know we have a horror god with Sam Raimi here. So I'm a little hopeful, but I don't... I don't think it's going to be a horror movie, even though they're trying to say it is. What do you think? I don't. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I hope that it's a horror movie, to be honest with you. But I don't think that um, I think the Scarlet Witch is, you know, they're obviously playing her up. Maybe she'll lose control or be the villain or I don't know. I haven't really followed it that closely, but they could do some like really scary imagery and stuff with some of the Scarlet Witch type stuff. But. Yeah, I don't know. Ray, uh, Sam Raimi being involved, though, does like perk my ears up a little bit because I was a fan of the first Scott Derrickson Doctor Strange. And I think that that character does lend itself to horror uh, quite a bit. You know, the Master of the Mystic Arts and stuff like that. And all a bunch of the villains that he fights, like the in the Steve Englehart and um, I can't remember the other writers run. It's like those are those are straight up like 70s and early 80s, like, uh, you know, Marvel kind of horror comics. Um, and I, you know, we talk about it sometimes. I think we've talked about it on a few episodes, how we, we kind of wish that Marvel would get back to some of those roots, those seventies and eighties horror, like, um, and they kind of are to be fair with blade coming up, but like, you know, in the seventies, uh, seventies, early eighties, the defenders would be like fighting alongside the son of Satan against like, you know, some other fucked up villain. And it's, <laughs> it's like yeah. the fact that it was like, uh, the defenders with Hulk and Dr. Strange fighting alongside son of Satan was just awesome, man. <laughs> I wish they would get back to that. It does sound like they're trying to embrace their horror, uh, roots a little bit more. I know with, the recent trailer for Moon Knight, Doctor Strange, and the Multiverse of Madness, of course, by Sam Raimi. And then also embracing uh, later this year in Halloween, they're going to do the Werewolf by Night special, which I think is probably going to be like an hour to two hour like Halloween special. But also it was just noted that uh, I'm trying to think of the guy's name that plays Daryl Dixon on The Walking Dead, but he's been cast as Ghost Rider, which I'm really excited for because I always thought that he would be a really cool Ghost Rider character. And so what do you think of that casting? I mean, are you a fan of him on that show or? Um, so I haven't seen him in a lot, um, but I mean, Ghost Rider as a character, I think is one of the uh, biggest untapped, you know, um, even in comics kind of, you know, Marvel has just never, there are some good runs for Ghost Rider, Rider for sure, but it, nothing that ever really seems to, stick for an ongoing run you know like they just had a run for uh, ghost rider and it got canceled after like 13 issues um yeah. and you know how modern comics go it's like nothing ever really sticks around but i would love to see ghost rider get like the immortal hulk kind of treatment like with you know like um lots of issues to build that kind of thing i think the last time that happened was like uh jason aaron um but yeah run was really that, good oh yeah oh yeah um, he's a character that's really untapped, man, as far as movies go. Um, I would love to see like, uh, and this is going to 
this is going to be like uh, nails on the chalkboard for you. But I'd love to see somebody with like pulp elements like uh, like a Quentin Tarantino or like a Robert Rodriguez get a hold of Ghost Rider and really, really do even set it in the 70s, like set it back in the 70s and really, really do like a grindhousey movie with Ghost Rider. I think I just think it's a lot of untapped potential. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see Robert Rodriguez. I, I know that. I think the last thing that I watched of his that I found actually quite enjoyable was Alita Battle Angel. Um, mm-hmm. There's a moment in it that's really, it's really ridiculously funny. I think I've told you about it, but uh, it's, 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 it's pretty solid. And there's, you can tell with Robert Rodriguez, he does incorporate those horror elements into his movies, even though, even though this is like an action sci-fi, like epic kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I could definitely see that, and it would be it would be cool if it was set in the seventies. And I don't, there wasn't really any details with this, but the fact that they're going to cast him as Ghost Rider, I could see that, and he is the reason why a lot of people watch The Walking Dead. You know, mm-hmm. so I I see the the crossover appeal to those fans for him. They'll definitely, I think, come to watch that movie for for him. Oh yeah. Uh, Welcome back, everyone. We've uh, gotten into our horror libraries. And for Macabre Collections, I like to take time to talk about the physical releases that I pick up and whoever the guest is on uh, what some of the things that they've picked up. And uh, if uh, if it's okay, I'll go ahead and start. I did just pick up, uh, because of the paper shortage and everything being sort of delayed, uh, I got the Horror Hound issue 91, which is the fall 2021. Uh, I recently picked that up actually in December. And it still has a lot of news that's kind of old. Like it still has The Last Night in Soho, Halloween Kills, like Resident Evil, like all these write-ups, which I still don't mind reading. But what I, I really like is when they announce like uh, some of the things in the toy news section. And one of the things that stuck out to me was the section um, that's called Mego Goes Dark. Uh, the classic toy company's rebooted 8-inch cloth action figures line has seen a massive shift in horror-centric releases. Hammer Horrors, The Reptile, Van Helsing, and Frankenstein Monster have gotten new releases. However, Mego also announced a team-up with Tops to produce limited-run exclusives, including Hammer's The Mummy, The Gorgon, Phantom of the Opera, and Plague of the Zombies, as well as unlicensed Hunchback of Notre Dame and Grim Reaper. Additionally, they're looking for figures for Young Frankenstein, Toxic Avenger, and Jumbo from Killer Clowns. The picture that they have in here, uh, I definitely am thinking I want to pick up a couple of these. And the reason why I wanted to highlight this is because of one of the physical releases that I just picked up uh, on Blu-ray, but I'll get to that later. But this is a really cool issue. Uh, there's some really fun announcements. There's some. There's also a lot of Elvira, Gremlins, and Halloween Kills figures. Um, so I think that for any uh, action figure collectors, you might find... Uh, some interesting things in here uh, are going to be released soon. Another thing that I recently uh, picked up is three volumes of trade paperback uh, 
a comic series from Vertigo. Vertigo has since gone under, but um, you can find a lot of their comics, single issues and trades out now. And uh, the series is called Coffin Hill. Mm. And um, I already ran through all three of these and I'm going to reread them again and do a quick little bonus review for it. But essentially uh, it is the synopsis reads, Eve Coffin is the heiress of one of New England's richest families, but the Coffins didn't come up on the Mayflower. They're witches. Their roots are in Salem, and those roots run deep. Today, Eve's an unlikely hero cop bagging Boston's most brutal serial killer as a rookie fresh out of the academy. But 10 years ago, she was a troubled teenager with a taste for the occult who ran with kids from the wrong side of the tracks and awakened powers from the dark side of our reality. So when kids start disappearing, just like they did when Eve and her friends unleashed hell in the woods of Coffin Hill, Eve is drawn back to the home she left behind and the horror she can never forget. Because the only way to stop this darkness is to let her own darkness take wing. This is a really cool, fun, uh, three-volume series. Uh, it's written by Caitlin Kitteridge and art by Naki Miranda and Eve de la Cruz. Uh, Really quick read, really cool read. If you are into uh, movies like The Craft and and Constantine, or um, you kind of vibe with like more witchy stuff, but more witchy, creaturey, ghoul kind of uh, witchy stuff, then I think you would really get a lot out of this. Uh, is this a series that you have, Bub, or you've read? Um, I've heard of it. No, I've never read it. So this was some reading I had to catch up on uh, for my holiday break over Christmas. And I, I just finished volume three and it's, it's pretty awesome. So uh, I would definitely recommend that. You can still find those trades out. Uh, I did get a, a couple, um, I, I did get some movies. I've been uh, sort of on a budget movie kick lately um, just because I'm just discovering my love of creature features um, that are available on physical media. And one of the series that I've been slowly collecting is the Maneater series. And it is a series of DVDs uh, that are from RHI Entertainment. A lot of these movies are, a lot of people would say are, are super trash, but there are some gems in the Maneater series. I'm not going to collect all 14 movies, but this was one of them that I think is fun. It, it's sort of like a, a dad movie, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> but there, there's really fun creature creature features. And uh, I'm, I'm collecting the ones that specifically appeal to me. But this one is called uh, Rise of the Gargoyles. And the tagline on it is get stoned to death. <laughs> but, <laughs> but essentially it's just, I love gargoyles. I love the classic cartoon gargoyles. So if there's a gargoyle in it, I'm probably going to watch it and probably going to enjoy it. Uh, this is not by no means a B movie or a C movie. It's definitely a Z movie, but there are some fun moments in it. It's campy. It's cop procedural with a gargoyle on the loose and it's just killing people uh super fun but i did pick that up and i only have a few more from that main eater series that i'm going to collect but like i mentioned in a previous episode you can find a lot of these uh, a lot of these are out of print uh, you can find these with slip covers at big lots dollar tree super cheap uh definitely check those out 
Um, the last thing that I picked up that I wanted to highlight was when I was talking about the action figures earlier, I scooped up The Mummy from 1959, which is a Region ABC Spain release from Tribeca Entertainment. The Mummy uh, Blu-ray has been out of print for a long time, so it's one of the few Hammer movies that I don't own and have been wanting to get to complete my Hammer collection. And so I found it um, for a decent price, actually. Uh, it took a while to get here with all of the delays in shipping. I think it took me three months to get it, actually. But it was worth the wait, and uh, I do love this version of The Mummy. Uh, I, I, I do tend to prefer some of the Hammer Universal Horror adaptions better uh, but that's just my preference but you can check that out from tribeca entertainment if interested uh trav what what you got cooking over there in your little collection uh just a quick question so how did you uh start getting into the hammer stuff because i know you've been on a recent like a um like a really big kick lately as far as like the hammer and stuff like that yeah so i I, I there were a few hammer movies that i already owned that i did like uh, mm -hmm. some of the movies I didn't, I had never seen like the, uh, Dracula. I mm -hmm. didn't, I didn't watch those and I'd been on a kick watching. Well, I hadn't watched the whole Dracula series. There's still a couple that I, I haven't seen, but, um, I did, uh, pick up the first three Dracula hammer movies, which I think are pretty decent. Uh, David, um, uh, got me into the brides of Dracula and uh, Dave oh, yeah. and Steve, shout out to them if they're listening to this episode. Um, and so I kind of, I think from that point, after having the conversation with David James, I I was like, oh, I'm going to kind of discover my love of Hammer again. Because I, I mm -hmm. always did tend to uh, look at Hammer and like, uh, some of them are good, but some of them are kind of like snoozy. Mm -hmm. But the one, my favorite one still of all time is The Reptile. And I actually just picked up the, uh, the Mezco uh, horror action figure I found at Target. They had, I got the last one. Uh, but The Reptile was always cool to me because it's a creature feature. And because Hammer never did a creature from the Black Lagoon adaption, mm -hmm. like from the Universal Monster sort of co collection, I think mm -hmm. this one fits more in line with that, even though it's a different type of like creature but um i just think it's like a really cool creature feature and i tend to go more towards the hammer creature stuff like i, I do like um you know some of the dracula ones but the, the frankenstein there's a couple frankenstein ones that are good um but the gorgon i think is probably one of the best ones the reptile certainly and um the werewolf their only werewolf one that they did Curse um, of the Werewolf. Curse of the Werewolf is, is oh yeah, that one's is, awesome, man. Yeah, so there's a few of them that I like. I don't like a a, a ton of them, but um, I, I got on a kick where I was just rewatching as many as I could that I hadn't seen, and uh, I do like uh, Cushing and Lee and pretty much anybody that you know is is in a Hammer movie, regardless of if I enjoy them or not. The productions are always so cool and like just oh yeah, the amount of effort that they put into building those sets i think are really commendable oh yeah but that's cool man that's like that's what a uh, horror fandom's all about is like discovering little corners that little dark corners that we haven't you know uh, been into uh at all in our horror fandom you know our blind spots everybody has them but uh th no that's really cool man yeah i, I think uh 
And, and I think from your episode, when you did the Frankenstein episode, even though I'm not the biggest fan of the Frankenstein universal monster, I did find myself enjoying the evil of Frankenstein, which I think is the Frankenstein movie that I needed from that universal one. Like it's mm-hmm. more of a slashery kind of Frankenstein. So and I think that's why I like the hammer versions more because they're a little kind of, uh, more gory and like the mummy one i think is is probably one of the strongest ones mm-hmm. it's a little more slashery and atmospheric but uh yeah i i think for anybody out there that's really wanting to discover like a lot of the hammer stuff if you have paramount plus i know that they do have some on their catalog um and you can find some i think on tubi as well under the shout section but uh they're Scream Factory is is going to release quite a few more of the Hammer collection. So I, there's some that I haven't seen uh, from from what they've announced. One of them is Paranoiac, which I have not seen, but there is a masked killer in it, and that appeals to my <laughs> sensibilities. So I'm like, uh, I'm going to check it out. <laughs> so I've been busy from uh, Vinegar Syndrome, like, like you uh, mentioned. Their, uh, I think this was their Black Friday sale, and uh, I came home from work today, and... Um, there was a box waiting on my doorstep, the best kind of box with that vinegar syndrome tape. Oh um, yeah. So I have a few here. Um, I'm not going to read the synopsis because uh, a lot of listeners probably know what some of these movies are, but uh, or a lot of these movies are, but yeah. um, the first one I got is nothing underneath and too beautiful to die, Ooh. which, which was, uh, <laughs> which was recommended, your ooh, which, made me laugh, which was recommended to me by um, a writer on Twitter, uh, Matt Serafini. He's a really good writer. Um, and he said it was De Palma-esque. So I was like, oh, uh, yeah. yes. I was like, yeah, I got to have that. Um, I upgraded my, um, I had graduation day from, uh, I think it was, was Troma the one that put that out? The, yep. Yep. Troma like initially first- put it out. Yep. Yeah, this one uh, got me to upgrade because of, of course, the killer, killer slipcover, man. Yep. Um, Vinegar Syndrome. I, I know it's said every time we talk about, like, you know, a lot of the releases, but the slipcovers are fucking so killer. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Graduation Day, um, a one of my, one of my, like, probably, it would probably jump into my top 20 80 slashers. Like, I really, really like that one. Um, and, uh, of course, Ticks. Um, you gotta gotta get this release. Uh, every horror fan out there has to. If you like this movie at all, um, it's so worth it to upgrade to this uh, to this edition of of Ticks. Uh, this cover art is just so killer, and it has like that that slide out like an old VHS kind of thing. Oh, I love um, that they've done that with some of their releases. Like it's like a box set, yeah, like a box set only for one movie. Dude, it's so it's so cool. Um, yeah. yeah, ticks is a must own, and then the last thing that I got was Homegrown Horrors Volume One, oh. which uh includes Fatal Exam, Beyond Dreams Door, and Winter Beast. Uh, um, Winter Beast is a must, <laughs> is it really you... good? I haven't seen any of these, so oh, well, they're all like, well, I, I don't remember Fatal Exam as much, but Winter Beast is trashy fun. Oh, yeah. All right, I'm ready for that. But uh, yeah, so a good little box from Vinegar Syndrome, um, some must Um Yeah, I'm lo- really, really looking forward to diving into that homegrown horrors, though, because it looked like movies that were right up my alley. <laughs> Did you ever get the weird Wisconsin release from Arrow? Uh, I think I did. Yeah, I think I 
was it i think i got that or no i got the heat came from the swamp oh okay i was going to recommend that to uh, you and to the listeners out there that like that regional horror and you enjoy um the homegrown horrors box from vinegar syndrome uh that arrow release of the of the weird wisconsin it's pretty fun uh it it's got some really some doozies on there to horror and then then there's action like action mm-hmm. thrillers on there um but yeah I, I would i would recommend that to to you i think you would dig that if you like that kind of style and and i forgot to mention this uh sorry to interrupt but um on the vinegar syndrome kick but savage harvest is one that's coming out this month in january and uh that's another regional night of the demon sort of riff and if you can check that one out too, Vinegar is putting that out through one of their partner labels on Blu-ray with a really kick-ass uh, slipcover, and that's one I'm definitely going to get. But uh, go ahead, Bob. Sorry, I got on a tangent. Oh, that was all I had left. I got a big box from Vinegar Syndrome, and uh, that's pretty much all I've been buying. You know, with Christmas and oh yeah, uh, you know the holidays and stuff, buying everybody's gifts and stuff. It's uh, yeah, all the gifts for all the kids, I should say. Um, yeah. I uh, splurged there and uh, I haven't really bought anything. Um, I haven't really bought too much else this month. So yeah, big splurge from vinegar syndrome for me. I've been, I've been a little bit more selective on some of the stuff I've been getting because for one, it, there's just so many announcements that there's really no reason for me to be like there's no I, I can't like go somewhere and find something I like I can't just go to Best Buy and be like oh I'm gonna pick this up because I most of the time already have it you know what I mean yeah like it's a lot of the new stuff like really my focus is on like Vinegar Syndrome and like Arrow and Scream Factory I know that that uh, alligator 4k release um, oh yeah definitely gonna have that in my list but it's just a little too like expensive right now but i think it's gonna be in my collection at some point obviously oh yeah um, but yeah that's cool and definitely feel you there um so let's get to the main event our top five lists each of favorite 2021 horrors it was a doozy of a year it started off as a doozy and it just completely went into a trash heap but there were some good horror movies so let's get to it number five what you got all right so maybe controversial i don't know this movie was uh mixed upon release and it continues to be a uh a popular uh argue point uh argumentative discussion on twitter on horror twitter over there oh um, yeah in that trash heap uh as we like to call it. uh but <laughs> no, yeah, was this five. a hard list for you to put together <laughs> this was pretty hard yeah because um the and just right off the bat, you know, I haven't seen some movies like some of the like I noticed that I haven't seen a lot of like the art house kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Like um, and it really bugs me, like not to get on a tangent, but like the 
you know, you all, we all know the horror fan who has seen everything, you know, they've seen everything. Oh, fantastic. You know, like I've seen everything that's come out this entire year. It's like, no, you haven't. Like there's some <laughs> movies that have, you know what I mean? So like, right. it's just right off the bat. Like I haven't seen Lamb or St. Maud. Those are two oh. movies that I've wanted to check out. I just haven't got to it, but yeah. You're not missing anything. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> but yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and throw that that out there. My <laughs> my quick review. <laughs> my number five is tonight he dies. Halloween Ooh. kills. Whoa! So the saga of Michael Myers and Laurie Strode continues in the next thrilling chapter of the Halloween series, directed by David Gordon Green. You know, um, killer killer soundtrack by John Carpenter, uh, starring Jamie Lee Curtis, Judy Greer. We all know this, right? So yeah. um, Halloween Kills, I was on the, um, and we had like a, a bunch of discussions like me, you and Rob when this movie came out, but uh, I was on the positive side of this movie. I actually, I actually really like this as a sequel. Um, I think it would probably rate like right there in the middle in that Halloween series for me. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I didn't get, I, well, I shouldn't say that. I got a lot of like the, uh, you know, the hate about it and stuff, but I actually thought it done, it did a lot of things well and kind of added that otherworldly kind of um, the boogeyman being more than Michael kind of sense to it. Like, I love that spoiler alert. You know, if you haven't seen this, then, you know, whatever, one, two, three. I love the ending scene when you see the young Michael and then it's like uh, she walks up the stairs, Judy Greer's character, and it's, the old Michael and it's like they, they kind of sprinkled a few times in, in the end of the movie, like kind of how there's something supernatural going on there. It's like the boogeyman keeps on returning and he can't be stopped. And I really, really thought that they did a good job. Now there are some weak scenes and stuff, of course, like when they kill Danny DeVito and Batman returns, <laughs> but I, I, I legit enjoyed this movie and this movie got a lot of hate, but what do you think about that? Number five, starting it off strong there. You started off strong. Yeah. I mean, it's not on my list at all. It's actually not even in my honorable mentions. It's in my most disappointing list. Spoiler alert. Ooh. Um, yeah. I was, I was disappointed. I mean, I felt bad because David, uh, David James and uh, Steve and me, Gabe and I, we went to the theater to see it. And I was so hyped because I was like, damn, this trailer is like fierce. And like mm -hmm. I've avoided trailers for it like crazy. And then I had really good moments, but I just felt like something was missing at the end. And and I'll explain this a little bit better with my number four pick as to why that movie worked better for me than this movie. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I just didn't, uh, yeah, I mean, I did, after a second view, I did enjoy it more, but it's still, uh, I don't know. It's still like a, eh, it's, it's just a little like kind of mad for me still. I don't know. I, I need to read, I need to rewatch the director's or I need to watch the director's cut. Um, Douglas Connor sent me the ending the, the new ending i guess mm -hmm. and i was just like okay like i mean it's, it's, it still sucks like what did, do you mean to say uh, <laughs> did love hurts play over it no it just didn't seem like it was enough to justify you know like well you included that and that's not really different you know what i mean like it wasn't different enough to me but uh i think people will lose their heads when they watch it. they're like it's so cool you know but it, it just didn't 
it didn't mean anything really um, to me at least, but I see where fans like it. And there's a lot of it that I do like, and I think I'll be able to have a better idea when Halloween ends comes out, like how does it fit? Because it is a middle piece. And that's the problem for me is it's a middle piece that just doesn't connect yet. Uh, We should say also that this, this is just like our favorite movies of 2021. This isn't like us saying these are the best movies. You oh, know, yeah. you know what I mean? So right. just favorability, rewatchability, stuff like that is what factors in on mine. But yeah, oh, yeah. My number five Halloween kills. Now did you, did, before I go to mine, did you get to watch that a second time? Oh yeah. I've watched it three times. Oh shit. Four <laughs> times. Yeah. Yeah. We well, watched it. We had a, uh, like I watched it again with Rose uh the second night and then rob and i were in a wedding and uh like this was a couple weeks later uh mike bertram's wedding and we watched it again like we were all sitting around drinking beers watching it again talking about how amazing it was (laughs) yeah but that that opening man is like oh my god that shit's good the opening's good the score is amazing yeah and if i could take out one thing of the movie and just have that as the movie, it would be with Lindsay. I think Lindsay's whole moments in the movie are so good. How did and her the, chase scene? How, oh, and like, sorry. No, I mean, her chase scene and like all that was so solid. And uh, that's what I was kind of like, oh, okay, you know? Yeah. How did David and them uh, uh, feel about it? Well, oh, they loved it. Yeah, they yeah. absolutely loved it. And I mean, it, it's still like, it's a lot better than the Rob Zombie movies for me. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know yeah. if it's better than like, for me, controversially, I don't know if it's better than Halloween resurrection. Oh my God. <laughs> but oh. that's where I'm at on that. Uh, on that. Uh, so before we get into a shouting match, I'm going to go with my number five. <laughs> no, I'm just All right. Uh, my number five was a movie that I got from RLJE Films to review for the podcast. And I always worry about when I get these because I'm like, if it's a shit movie, I'm going to have to say it's a shit movie. And yeah. there's some movies out there that are surprising. And this was one of them. And it was Seance. Um, mm-hmm. It's from May of 2021. Or yeah, May 2021 20, of 2021. Um, it's about uh, Camille Meadows. She's a new girl at the prestigious Edelvine Academy for Girls. Soon after her arrival, six friends invite her to join them in a late-night ritual, calling forth the spirit of a dead former student who reportedly haunts the halls. But before morning, one of the girls is dead, leaving the others wondering what they have awakened. Uh, It is now on Shudder if you want to stream that. I really... uh, Well, did you get to check this one out first? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I dug it. Okay. So Simon Barrett directed it. He worked, of course, uh, with Wingard in the past, and they've worked on, like, You're Next. And that's what I was surprised by, is this movie has a really fun setting. I I think we talked about this before, but I do enjoy movies that are set, like, at academies, like, kind of of like uh, like Cry Wolf, if you've seen Cry Wolf. Oh, yeah. Um, Or even, like, 80s slashers, like Final Exam, um, like, those kinds of things where they're set around a school um or even like the dorm that drip blood like that's a really fun one uh, but this movie has a lots lots of little pieces to it it's like a really cool mystery like who done it um it's a really cool masked slasher and it's a really cool um sort of like kind of got that meta 
kind of thing, like from the 90s, like kind of thing in it. But what ultimately sold me on this movie was the climax. And what I think a lot of horror movies where they miss me is the ending. Like some of them just, they either end too abruptly or they don't have an ending <laughs> or, you know, like the, the ending just falls apart sometimes in a lot of these horror movies. But this one, I think, surprised me. There was some gore in it that I was not surprising. Um, I didn't I, I didn't guess who the killer or killers were in this movie. And uh, I liked the story. And I think it had like a solid little setting with a small cast. And uh, it was cool to see, I, I can't think of the actress's name from The Devil's Rejects. She plays, she filled in for Karen Black, but she is the headmistress of the of the Academy. But it was cool to see, you know, her in this movie in a different role. And just uh, overall, I thought it was a cool vibe. I like the, I like the Academy vibe. Uh, I dug it. Um, but yeah, I, I rated this one pretty high. And um, uh, overall, uh between this movie and another slasher movie, uh, which I'll mention in my honorable mentions, I kind of had a tough time figuring out which one I like better. But ultimately, I think this one just had a cool story. But that was my number five. Interesting. Yeah, yeah I, yeah, I dug that one, man. That's a good number five. All right. So my number four. Um, this one was one that is, uh, like I said, a weird two years. So this was filmed in like 17 or 18 uh, you know, production, all that stuff it was supposed to come out in 2020. Um, it ended up becoming streamable in early 21. And it's unreal that this is a 2021, you know, officially movie. And that's The Empty Man. Um, and it's unreal because it feels like this came out like three years ago. But yeah. it just became streaming, you know, in February or whatever. On I think it was like on HBO Max or something. Yeah, But yeah, The Empty Man... Um, Directed by David Pryor and uh, the synopsis on a trail of a missing girl, an ex-cop comes across a secretive group attempting to summon a terrifying supernatural entity. Um, So uh, directed by David Pryor, who is also directing the new Guillermo del Toro show for Netflix called uh, Cabinet of Curiosities, um, based on Cullen Bunn's comic, The Empty Man, uh, published by Boom Studios, which I recommend. It's a three volume uh, story. Um, there are some differences and stuff, but um, I felt like this movie did a, a really good job of uh, adapting it. Uh, starring James Badgedale and Marin Ireland. Um, yeah, this one has, this one was actually one of those where I was uh, going in expecting to be disappointed. And uh, it actually, it actually um, was a lot, a lot better than I thought it would be. Like it has everything that I kind of look for in a movie, like kind of a procedural, like detective kind of trying to figure out what's going on. And then there's this, uh, these really creepy scenes with this cult, like this cult of the empty man. And he's trying to piece it all together and stuff. Very creepy visuals. And this urban legend of like you blowing across the bottle and like um, going on a bridge and blowing across the bottle, the top of the bottle and then the empty man like blows back like <laughs> but it has like some really creepy scenes in it and one of them that kind of one one of these movies that kind of took me by surprise but yeah my uh that's probably the dark horse on my list is number four the empty man that's a cool pick i remember seeing the poster for that a long time ago and i forgot that it was an adaption of a graphic novel and I'd already had the graphic novel and I just didn't piece two and two together because from 
the marketing, it seemed like it was geared towards people that wanted to another Bye Bye Man movie. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. it had that those elements that seemed very familiar. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, I mean, I'm I'm a I'm into those kinds of movies too. Like if they're in the background and I don't have to pay attention because they're they're just those movies that I'm like, oh, okay. It's it's not complicated. It's silly, whatever. But this movie ultimately did. Um, because it's set in so many uh, segments, like that first long 20, 30 minute like entry yeah, is so separate from the rest of the movie and the mid movie and then the ending, like everything is so weird the way that it's plays out. But mm -hmm. ultimately when you find out the ending, it's really cool to rewatch it again. Mm -hmm. And I, I liked it. Yeah, I think it was cool. It's It didn't seem as long as I thought it was going to seem either. I was like, oh my God, this is like two hours, two and a half hours, whatever. But it ultimately left me still wanting more. And that's that's a sign of an interesting concept. But yeah, I dug it. I think it's a cool pick. So yeah, my number four, The Empty Man. So my number four is the middle of a movie that does it better in my opinion. And maybe it's because I've already seen the ending, but it's fear street, 1978. All right. And the reason why I think that works better than Halloween kills is because it is self-contained. It's its own time mm. period, even though there are elements from the other times part of the plot, but ultimately it has a beginning that uh, sets it up. Uh, I think the, character arcs work in this movie uh i don't feel like i'm ending this movie with questions and it's touching it's sad i was like crying at one one point even though you kind of ex expected a death of a character but really it was a bait and switch i think i think it did a really good job but for anybody that's listening that hasn't seen this the quick synopsis is it centers on a group of teenagers in camp nightwing who must come together to survive a possessed counselor's murder spree. Uh, I think it's available on Netflix. Of course, it's an exclusive. And this, this series was fun because I think it was cool that it came out every other week. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it was that type of serial storytelling that I miss about horror. And even though I think the first one's okay and the third one's good, I just really enjoyed this one. I liked the setting. I liked the acting, the actors. And it was just a really solid uh, slasher movie. And there's a lot of slasher movies that debuted this year. Uh, it's probably been one of the, the, the 2021 has been probably one of the years that we've got, we've gotten the full on slasher resurgence. Uh, but uh, were you a fan of, of, 1978 Christian. Oh, oh yeah that was one of my uh that would be one of my honorable mentions that almost made my list um and i'm like you i like that middle portion the 78 version the best yeah i'm, I'm surprised that i would like a middle movie uh, more than you know the trilogy and it, it's it's really hard to separate it because it's so tangentially uh, incorporates so many elements from every other movie into it but it still somehow works and if i was going to revisit i haven't revisited them really other than that one uh but that's the one that i would revisit because it's just so enjoyable like i feel like i've watched a complete movie even though you know there's still that cliffhanger and stuff at the end but uh yeah so that's my that's my number four a solid solid number four so my number three is 
2021 again another movie that got messed up by the pandemic um and that's 2021's antlers um synopsis in an isolated oregon town a middle school teacher and her sheriff brother become embroiled with a enigmatic student whose dark secrets lead to terrifying encounters with an ancestral creature uh directed by scott cooper who did uh black mass with johnny depp out of the furnace uh crazy heart um uh, based on a story from uh, Nick and Toscosa and Scosa, um, you know, the channel zero guy, he's a, he's like a killer writer, man. Like if yeah. um, his collections are like really hard to get, but he's a killer writer uh, starring Carrie Russell, Jesse Plemons and Jeremy Thomas. So we went to see this um, like uh, pretty, pretty recently. Didn't this come out like a couple months ago in theaters? Yeah. End of October. Yep. It was yeah, a Halloween end of October. Movie. So, I didn't know that this movie was going to be like as um, uh, like as sad and as uh, filled with grief as it was. So that was a uh, kind of a bonus, you know, uh, sitting through it and like uh, really feeling for these characters. The child actor, Jeffrey Thomas, is like absolutely amazing in this movie and you feel so bad for him. Um, this is one of those movies, I think, that would work for um like a fan of dramas and a fan of horror movies and the creature effects are fucking killer of the wendigo like um all the stuff with uh them you know um uh, talking to the native american guy and like you know uh the some of the transformations of the wendigo was just like it, it really delivered man and i i loved how it like uh they portrayed it um like really feeding on that negativity and grief and like, you know, uh, a lot of the, a lot of the, uh, the, uh, the story that they build up for this movie. But, um, uh, yeah, I really, really dug this. My number three antlers. I won't talk about it cause it is on my list. Uh, so I have a feeling we're going to have some similar end list here. Uh, <laughs> so I'll just say my number three okay. and then maybe this is on yours, which I'm sure it is. Actually, I know it is. Uh, my number three is The Night House. All right. Uh, reeling from the unexpected death of her husband, Beth, played exceptionally well by Rebecca Hall, Rebecca Hall, excuse me, is left alone in the lakeside home he built for her. She tries as best as she can to keep herself together, but then the dreams come, disturbing visions of a presence in the house call to her, beckoning with a ghostly allure. But the harsh light of day washes away any proof of a haunting. Against the advice of her friends, she begins digging into his belongings, yearning for answers. When you start digging, you start finding those answers, and you may mm, not mm. like. <laughs> oh, her. Uh, you hear Rose from the other room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh this was a very fun surprise i did not expect to enjoy this movie as much as i did i had a really hard time with my top three because i well actually my top two i know what my number one is but uh i i just immediately left the theater like that's gonna be on my top 21 list like it's so cool so many nods to like Barker and uh, Lovecraft and it's just a cool original concept and out of all of 2021 I think the best performance is from Rebecca Hall in a horror movie it is in the night house certainly Uh, she is a character that you care for you love her dialogue 
and uh, it's just an awesome kick-ass story. And I picked it up uh, on physical because uh, I'm all about the physical, baby. But uh, yeah, I liked it. I dug it. I'm all about the Benjamins. Uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> and, and with the silver backdrop behind yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're in one of those like shiny suits like P. Diddy. In 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 a uh, in a cheese grater kind of in the background. <laughs> so it's it's my number two, right? So you're going to your number two, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, our lists are uh, it's coming down to two movies here. So my number two is Malignant, uh, which I'm I know that's going to be on your list. No, it's um, not my list. 2021, <laughs> of course, <laughs> directed by James Wan, uh, starring Annabelle Wallace or Wayless, however you say it. Uh, synopsis Madison is paralyzed by shocking visions of grisly murders and her torment worsens as she discovers that these waking dreams are in fact terrifying realities um, this one was uh, was one that I knew was going to be on my list because of how fun it was and um, a lot of 20, 2020 2021 was like so fucking grim and like just like uh, you know my number one movie which is uh, complete despair you know, it's like uh, Malignant was one that kind of didn't give a fuck and it was very punk rock and it was just fun. And you don't like uh, we kind of miss that with horror movies like, you know, nowadays, I, you know, I'm saying nowadays, like I'm like uh, one of the old man on the, on my porch now. <laughs> but like we get really off my lawn. like James Wan went back and did a movie like in blended like basket case and like a giallo. And, and like totally went against what he had been doing uh, with the Conjuring movies and Insidious and stuff. And it fucking absolutely worked and it's fun and it's hilarious. And like um, it kind of reminds me of one of those like uh, uh, what's the what was the film company in the 90s that put out like the house on Haunted Hill and um, oh, like a dark castle. Kind yeah, of like a dark castle kind of movie, because as soon as it starts, you know, it's like it's got like a very like a hammy kind of. Uh, kind of presence about it yeah and it's like oh this is good like you know you're in a gothic like asylum and stuff and yeah it kind of remind me of like something like ghost ship or something like that but yeah just just bring the fun back to horror and i i really loved how uh, ballsy james wan was with this because this one got a lot of hate too of people going in expecting it to be a straightforward like ghosty james wan picture that was like 70s inspired and stuff and it, gave you that basket case fialo kind of thing oh yeah yeah, my number two malignant um awesome movie man all right so i'm gonna go to my number two which you talked about earlier but it's antlers um i had a hard time with this one because i loved the night house so much but ultimately what won me over with this movie is the creature aspect of it and um you know, spoiler alert uh, for anybody listening, um, but it is about a Wendigo. And I think it's kind of clear in the trailer that it's a Wendigo, but, you know, uh, I like, and you already gave the synopsis, so I won't do that. But what I really liked about this movie is you touched on all of the things that I like, you know, about how grief is shown uh, cinematically in this movie, how it's pervasive in this town, there's so many towns around the country like that, that are you drive through and you just kind of wonder, you know, what are the people like there? Like, 
some of these desolate ghost towns where these corporations pull out of like it just it speaks to such a reality that what we've lived in and what we've been living in with so many uh of the of the small towns around america and so i think that this team of writers director and of course guillermo del toro producing it was just a really good recipe for creating that atmosphere way past uh even getting to the horror aspects and what works is there's there's been really cool Wendigos in movies. Uh, you know, Fassenden did it, uh, Stephen King, of course, with Pet Cemetery. But I think this one has really given us what we've been wanting for like, you know, those, those uh, Wendigo lore uh, fans out there. And I think that's why I really enjoy this so much is just, the way it's handled is so meticulous and so thoughtful and so heartbreaking. And it is very sad, but there is also a really hopeful uh, aspect to the movie, which you kind of have to dig for, <laughs> but it's there. And that's what I like about it is, and I'm not the biggest fan of like drama horror. And I, I always complain to you about A24 because I always mm -hmm. think that they put the drama forefront before the horror, but I think this did a really good job. And I'm surprised uh, that this wasn't an A24 movie because I think it, you know, it's one that um, reminds me of one of theirs called Monster a little bit, but um, I like this one a lot. And uh, I'm definitely uh, looking forward to picking it up. It, it was recently released on January 4th, but um, yeah, ultimately um, I enjoy it. I dedicated a whole review episode to it. And uh, yeah, it's definitely one of my, my favorites. All right. So my number one, um, this was the movie that uh, I saw upon release and like Rose and I went in. Um, I had heard that it was good, but I didn't, I wasn't really prepared for like how much I was going to like this. And it's the night house um, directed by David Bruckner. Um, he did Ritual and some segments of Southbound VHS, uh, starring Rebecca Hall and Sarah Goldberg. Um, this movie was like, like a punch to the mouth and the stomach, man. Like, I, it's a movie about grief. It's a movie about like uh, dealing with that grief. Um, it opens up. Um, if you have a trigger about like, uh, like suicide or something like that, like this might not be the movie. Cause it opens up with like her husband um, committing suicide and she's like dealing with that and um, going through all the stuff that one goes through when they lose a partner. And meanwhile, she's uncovering more and more about her partner. So it's like, um, it's one of those things where you don't know about somebody until like you start going through a lot of their secrets and stuff. And as she gradually starts putting this together, um, it kind of builds and builds and builds and builds and gets crazier and crazier um, until she finds like the reverse house or whatever they call it. And uh, it's been a while since I've actually seen this. I need to rewatch it. And uh, she finds the reverse house and like all this creepy shit and these women in the photographs. And like, then she uh, finds out about like this presence, which is called, uh, which is, is termed nothing. And uh, <laughs> it shows you, it's just a bash. It's one of those movies that like, you're with it, you're with it. It's a thriller kind of thing. And then it just gets straight up Clive Barker horror. 
and um, it ends with spoiler alert. It ends with nothing in the boat with her trying to convince her to kill herself to join her husband because it's making itself look like her husband. And it's just like, I, I'm like looking around the theater, like while we're watching this and I'm like, this is the most fucked up movie I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> like, uh, dude, it is just like such a power punch of a movie, man. And like, so fucking creepy. Like what it says about grief and like, it's just, you feel like terrible after watching this movie. And um, that's what some of the best horror movies uh, like brings to the table, man. But I fucking love the night house. If anybody has never seen, if anybody didn't catch this movie this year, this is like my, my one must see of the year. Um, I fucking love this movie, man. Yeah, it was, it was fantastic. And, and I think what really worked is um, for me, like on my list is all of these were original, like, concepts i mean fear street maybe not as much but the night house is is an original story and we've never been given that type of villain before yeah and when as soon as you told me oh you're gonna love this and i went to see it and i remember texting you what i texted but i texted you oh my god it's the void and mm-hmm. like i love lovecraft and i love barker and the fact that they gave you something out of nothing and it's just so cool. And that's like one of the most crazy concepts out there. Uh, I, I was not expecting this at all, but uh, I'm glad that you enjoyed it as much as you did. And it was really hard for me not to put this at number one, to be honest. But yeah, uh, I, it's I, like just going to be a haunting movie. Like I'm, I'm like, oh, OK, there's creepy scenes setting it up and stuff. But then when it yeah. goes the direction that it goes, you're like, oh, my God, like it is so much better than I thought it was going to be, you know? It really is. Yeah. And uh, I've seen it twice now and it is very rewatchable. It's very, very, very cool once you know everything. And it just you look for things in it that you didn't see before. And it's that's what I like about a, a movie like this is even though, you know, the twist, you can still find enjoyment about what you missed to get to that twist or whatever. And uh, there's the clues there and you might have missed before. But yeah, great, great pick for number one. Um, So my number one is probably no surprise. It is Malignant. Um, I've watched this movie like five times now, four or five times. (laughs) Uh, I just picked it up. I was so excited to pick it up because it's been hard to find actually physically out because it's a lot of the shortages or whatever, but I recently picked it up and uh, you know, you talked about it earlier being fun. And I agree with you. Like to me, that's what I felt is it being like a punk rock movie where James Wan was like, I'm not going to write, I'm going to do sort of a big studio movie, but it's also going to be an indie movie. It's also not going to be what you think it's going to be. And I'm going to throw in all of these nods and homages that horror fans are going to know and i'm going to make it awkward i'm going to make the dialogue cheesy i'm also going to give you you know these big practical effects and i will say there was a scene in this movie there's a segment in this movie that i thought had a lot of cgi and it doesn't and james wan does that with me quite a bit like he does things that I think is that CGI. And then I've watched the making of, and I'm like, oh shit, that was actually practical. But there's a scene where Gabriel is fighting the police officers in the police precinct. And there were some scenes that looked kind of like, is that 
person like is that cgi but they broke down um the actress and there were a couple other actors that played gabriel in that scene and they show you the choreography in the special extras for the blu-ray and uh it was really cool to see how he choreographed that action scene and there are scenes that show uh gabriel like how the contortionist um worked you know in the movie yeah and this contortionist was on a she appeared on a reality show and that's how james wan found her is uh is through uh i forget the the competition but it was one of those like you know do show us what you can do and we're going to judge you and then you can enter the show i forget what it's called but um Basically, that's how he found the contortionist to use for Gabriel in this movie. And there's just so many elements behind the scenes that are cool that just add uh, that uh, solid case for why, to me, it, it worked so well. But overall, like, it's just a really fun, kick-ass movie. I went in watching this uh, with uh, Gabe, my husband, and we, when it starts and we're... I'm cracking up because I'm like, I already know the tone. Like, I know what this is. This is like Giallo dialogue. And I had to tell him, I, had, I looked over and I said, I know you're laughing, but this is actually what it's supposed to be. Because he asked me, he's like, is it supposed to be this awkward? And from that point on, he was on board. And we just had the 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 best time in the theater watching this movie. And, you know, the scene with with the the artist depiction of Gabriel <laughs> and yeah. the the cops and like I just love the female cop and like her reactions are like spot on. But there's just so many little moments in it that in any other director's hand could have been like, you know, stupid or just didn't work. But you can really tell. And I think this really made me more of a James Wan fan. Like I, I kind of liked him already, but. I think this is still my top from him. Like this is what I've been missing out of my life from modern horror movies. And it's that throwback, but done new and done in an interesting way. And very few movies I've walked out of where I'm like, I didn't guess what was going to happen. And I was ultimately like shocked at like what I was seeing. And so I, I, I dug it. Um, and uh, if you were a friend with me on social media, you'll know how much I like it because I'm always talking about it. So, oh yeah, uh, it's it's definitely a favorite of mine, and it's one that I really enjoy for this year, and it's my number one. Um, honorable mentions. I'll throw out uh, a few because I did have some a hard time not putting these on my list. Uh, one of them was Candyman. Yeah, that was on mine too. Candyman ultimately was good for me. I enjoyed it. There were some things that kept it off my list. One being, I felt it was a little too short. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it needed a little more development. The climax didn't work as much for me as I thought it would. I did rewatch the movie. I did pick it up uh, for my birthday, but ultimately it was good. And I think it's like number six, maybe, maybe number seven. Um, so yeah, so that was one. Um, another one is there's someone inside your house. I thought this was a really fun throwback 90s slasher. Um, when this trailer dropped, I was like, I have to read the book before I watch it because I want to know what to expect. And I read the book. The book was awesome. I watched the movie and it was okay. I like it. I dug it. Uh, there was a really cool scene in the church that I think 
had that energy carried over to the rest of the movie, it would have been pretty solid for me. Um, Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City. Uh, another honorable mention. I think the movie was fun. And uh, I like a creature feature throwback kind of vibe. And uh, I think Johannes, uh, the director, Johannes is Roberts, I think is his name. Uh, yeah, I believe he, so. He, he did a cool uh, atmospheric horror vibe. And I dug it, I, even though it's, you know, it's got some issues. Uh, I think it, I think it was really cool for me and I, I, I dug it a lot. And lastly, uh, one, I don't know if you've checked this one out yet, uh, Trav or not. Um, I got this through a review and I actually surprisingly was kind of shocked at how much I enjoyed it. Uh, another slasher movie called Initiation. And this movie was supposed to come out in 2020 and got delayed and it ended up being released May 7th of 2021. Uh, but it's one of those university pledge week kind of slashers. And uh, I think out of more recent slasher movies, when they use the social media aspect into the plot, it hasn't been as successful, but I think they do a good job with this movie. And uh, it was really cool. And it was really brutal and gory. Uh, really cool masked slasher. Did you check this one out? I have not. No, that's one that I have not seen. Yeah, it was cool. So uh, I have the physical release of it. And uh, I, if I didn't get the screener, I would have ended up buying it. But you can, you can find it pretty, pretty cheap um, out. And uh, yeah, I, I ultimately would recommend checking that one out. It was a low key effort that ultimately almost made my list. Uh, is there any honorable mentions that you have on yours? So yeah, I had a uh, Nia DaCosta's Candyman on mine as well. Uh, there was something lacking from that. Um it would probably sneak into my top 10. Um, but yeah, I, it needed, um, it needed the presence of the candy man to me. Yeah. I think <laughs> that's what Todd. was missing. Um, the vigil, um, it's the, it's kind of like a, uh, directed by Keith Thomas. This is one that I've caught recently and I think it's actually pretty damn good. Um, yeah. it's, it's basically like a Jewish kind of exorcist kind of thing. Um, it didn't quite crack the top five, but a, a solid, solid movie that I really enjoyed. Um, that's Resident Evil right was on mine. Um, Resident Evil, I enjoyed that they went back to the horror elements of the, you know, of the video game series and stuff. Um, and I think, oh, and Quiet Place Part Two. I keep, I always forget that that came out this year. Um, but I, I actually thought that that was a really strong sequel. I think I talked about it on our sequel uh episode but yeah i actually think that's a really really strong sequence it has one of my favorite sequences in any movie this year um and it's when like the aliens like land when they first come down which is uh, bonkers and awesome yeah yeah i i really uh i dug that one too i forgot that that, that came out this year too it's been such a long it was such a long year 2021 uh, that one would probably be on my uh, honorable mention list too. And for me, I already talked about one of my most disappointing, which was Halloween Kills. Uh, I still enjoy it and will end up picking it up eventually, uh, maybe in the $2 bin at Big Lots. Uh, but <laughs> I'm just playing. <laughs> uh, another one that was disappointing to me that really had me hyped up and I was just let down completely was Last Night in Soho. I just could not vibe with it. And mm -hmm. uh I, I want to like it, but I, I just couldn't get into it. Um, did you get to check that one out? I That is one that I haven't caught 
either. Um, I do have another honorable mention, uh, like, a, oh, sorry, or not an honorable mention, but a disappointment. And oh. um, I did enjoy elements of this movie, but I thought that it was ultimately a letdown, and that's Spiral, the new Saw. Oh, okay, Cause, yeah, because I had really, really high hopes for that, and I did enjoy it, but I, I felt like, like, some about Chris Rock as the lead. I'm like, nah, like, you know what, like, um, like get another person to get a more established actor to carry that movie, in my opinion. I don't know. A little bit of a disappointment. Yeah, I didn't mind that one. I picked that up for the Black Friday sale at Best Buy. It was like five bucks. I was like, okay, well, I mean, I have the other Saw movies. Yeah. And that's not movies I think that me and you really gravitate to typically. Yeah. Uh, I did like that it was more slashery with the the killer wearing the mask more, like the pig head. Like I thought that those elements were cool, but I agree it, it was a little like kind of like uh, okay, you know, like it didn't really do much for me either way. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I would I could see where that would be like a disappointment. Um, yeah, I mean, I, surprisingly, there even though like Halloween Kills was on my disappointing list, it was still enjoyable and. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I I don't think I've talked about a movie as much as I have with Halloween Kills for oh, yeah. the year of 2021. Uh, so that'd probably be that would probably get the award for talking the most about a movie. Uh, there was so much fandom out and about for that movie. And uh, it was cool to see a, a slasher movie being as big as it was during a pandemic year and just still killing it at the box office, ultimately. Oh yeah, uh, and I'm and to go back to Malignant because I will. Uh, <laughs> I'm excited to see if they're going to do a sequel. I've been seeing Annabella Wallace in some interviews saying that James Wan is wanting to do a sequel. I don't know if it needs a sequel, but I would be down. I'm down for more Gabriel. Give us a Gabriel action figure, NECA. We're we're still we're still hounding you for that. Gabriel uh, needs to join the MCU. uh all right so we're gonna put gabriel to rest and i do have a shout out um one of my good friends scott toley from indianapolis he is a werewolf and he is a drummer and he i've known him for a while i met him through beast po'boy when we uh opened that uh shop up back in the day and uh he uh, shared with me the Stealing Volume self-titled debut Stealing Volume album uh, compromised of Ben Schimmel, uh, guitar lead, uh, David Barajas, guitar vocals, Scott Tolley, of course, drums, background vocals, Scott Lamb, bass, background vocals. Uh, they formed in, in about 2008, and they're a punk rock group uh, from Indianapolis. And their album came out, I think, in July of 2021. And uh, it's one of the more horror adjacent uh, things that I wanted to give them a shout out for because their album uh, was fun. Uh, it, it rocks. I've been listening to it since I, I got it. It's got a really cool album cover throwback uh, with the green uh, skull lady on the cover, really fun uh, album. Um, one of the, some of the, the standouts howl, which is a really cool uh uh, cut um, insects on X, uh, Death Ray Girl and Viper Train are, are the ones that keep uh, keep on my playlist. 
but really fun album. Check them out. I got them on uh, Apple, uh, iTunes. Uh, you can check them out wherever you get your music. Uh, that they're stealing volume, and uh, I look forward to having Scott on the show at some point. He is a werewolf fanatic, and I thought I would just give a shout out to them because that was one of the uh, things that stood out to me in 2021. I'm not a big new music fan, but that was one that I wanted to highlight. Bob, did you have any other 2021 things that you wanted to highlight that weren't, I guess, movie or related or anything like that? Not really. Uh, what was the name of the band again? Uh, stealing Volume. All right. So everybody can go check them out. Uh, always uh, always good to uh, represent indie. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty good. Scotty's a crazy, crazy fella. He is an avid drummer. He uh, used to drum for The Liquors, which was an awesome punk band. If you're uh, a fan of uh, Melody uh, in Indianapolis, the punk rock nights there were pretty crazy with The Liquors. Uh, they are no longer a band anymore, I don't think. Uh, but also he was a drummer for the Dockers and now he's with Stealing Volume. And uh, yeah, pretty cool. Uh, check them out and uh, give that local love, that local punk love to them. And uh, I think that's it for this episode. It was a fun, jam-packed episode as always. Uh, I always enjoy doing these episodes with you, Bub. Bub, what, where can we find you at uh, on your podcast? So you can find me on Horrifying My Friends on all the podcast platforms. And uh, we actually do a music podcast uh, called Guillotine Press on all your favorite podcast platforms. So find me there. And I'm pretty active on Facebook. Nice. Well, as always, you can find me at Fatal Follower Presents at Gmail. Send me your tasteful werewolf nudies. Send me show ideas. Send me curses from Bandcamp from the 60s. Shrunken hands. Shrunken hands. Uh, broken Ouija board planchets. Whatever you feel like you need to send me. Pictures of. Uh, you can always reach me at Fiddle Follower Presents a Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, uh, the rabid site of my horror amino crew out there. Thank you for all the support you give me. And uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, stay safe. Stay spooky. Get ready for the 2022 uh horror of it all and uh i can't wait for scream five uh i'm so excited for that this week i'm probably going to request off work for that day <laughs> <laughs> all right stay spooky bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.